Hello and welcome to Unstoppable. I am your host, Kerwin Ray, and today we are talking yoga and inspiration with the founder of Radically Loved Yoga Health and Wellness, Rosie Acosta. Now, she's not only an inspirational speaker, she's spoken for the likes of TEDx, Evoso, and She Recovers. She's also a yoga and meditation teacher and holistic health coach. She runs yoga classes for the NBA and the NFL and is the host of Radically Loved Radio Podcast, which has over a million downloads. This was an incredible story. It's not one you're going to want to miss. Check it out and listen up. This episode is brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for businesses. If you have ever wanted to grow your business faster than what you can right now, if you need to make more revenue, if you need more leads, if you need more clients, if you need to know how to plan your business in a strategic way in order to hit big goals, if you need to learn how to scale your business and grow your team and your business so that you have more freedom, then this program is for you. Imagine three days immersed with me where we cover all aspects of business, but we do it from an immersive but also an execution standpoint. We execute every step of the way and we're looking at five key areas we're looking at your psychology we're looking at your marketing your sales your leadership and we're looking at your planning and how we integrate these five key areas to grow your business and your brand quickly so if you'd like to find out more information kerwinray.com so ladies and gentlemen it's my absolute pleasure to welcome rosie acosta to unstoppable Thank you for coming downtown. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's a real pleasure. You've yeah. got an incredible story. Like you're, so you're actually an LA native. I am. Yes. Yeah. So, so for those people, before we actually jump uh, into your into your history and your story, so for those people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about Rosie Acosta. Well, I'm a yoga and meditation teacher. I have a podcast uh, called Radically Loved, where I talk I about. I love that name. You do. <laughs> yeah, I do. So the idea was really based around this this thinking or this framework that we are radically loved and supported by you know higher power source earth whatever higher power of your understanding that the universe works for us and not against us and so the idea is that we are radically loved and we can utilize that radical love to achieve our highest potential and to create the life that we want and achieve freedom and you know all of those things. So it sounds like from uh, the research that I've, I've done on you, from what I've seen about you before you come in, your life was anything but radical love at one stage. Oh yeah, no. So, so how, did you, how did you get your start? Like you moved to LA, how old were you moved to LA? So I, I basically, so I grew up in East Los Angeles during yeah. the LA riots in the early 90s. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so that was a very tumultuous, you know, upbringing. It was I like, I don't like to describe it, but I almost, the best way for me to describe it is it was kind of like the worst environment imaginable. You know, there was gang violence and drug use and domestic abuse and, um, you know, it was just, it was chaos. But when you're, you grow up in that environment, you don't know any better. So yeah. you don't really think anything of it. And so it, I got into a lot of trouble. I was, uh, you know, daughter, I had an older sister, two immigrant parents that came to this country and... Um, so you were born in, in LA? Yeah, I was yep. born in okay. LA, yeah, just like three and a half miles away from here. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you, you grew up in East LA? I grew up in East Los you Angeles, You got involved in yes. the gangs yourself? Uh, you know, I didn't necessarily get involved in gangs myself, but I did... Get in a little bit of trouble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not a... Yeah, like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was part of my um, sort of like propellant forward was to, I didn't ever want to go to jail. And so my desire to not go to jail really helped get my life together. I would say this like AKA court ordered probation. Right. So that was really what set me onto the path of getting, getting. So it was a little bit of a shake up to get a wake up to get yeah. a So how old were you when you had this shake up? I was about 15, 16 years old, yeah. And was this the uh, the police car incident? This was the yeah. police car incident, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so those, for those people playing at home who don't know about the police car incident, what yeah. happened? So it's funny because <laughs> I only started talking about this recently as, oh, you know. Really? Yeah, okay, because right. it wasn't necessarily something I talked about all the time because especially, you know, family, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know, it's kind of one of those things that you're, I understand. I'm not, I don't wear it like a, you know, 
badge of honor or anything. I mean, now I do, I think, because it really helped me get out of well, that I think it's state. a part of your story. Yeah. You know? And it sounds to me that was, this, that was the gestalt in your life. Yes. That catapulted you into the direction that you're now fulfilling yeah. your purpose. So I was uh, about 15, 16 years old, and I, I can't even use the excuse that I was under the influence of anything because I wasn't. I was under the influence of trying to be cool in front of people. Under the influence of to, peer pressure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And there was this incident that happened at a park nearby the, my high school, and I happened to be there at a time where the police officer had jumped out of the vehicle um, that was following another uh, a Honda Prelude, a red Honda Prelude, and he got out of the, the vehicle to chase the assailant on foot. And I happened to get there when both cars were left running, doors open, and people were just kind of watching uh, what was happening. But come to find out later that it was actually a sting operation to somebody who was at the park. They had set it up. That's why when I show up and I go, the car is open. It's so dumb. I got into the cop car and I was on the seat. I didn't actually take off with the car, but I did get charged with attempted GTA. So anyway, I'm in the vehicle. <laughs> so gangster of you. <laughs> Not just any car, a police car. Well, so I'm sitting in the car and I'm don't just do like, this at home. We are not, please, we are not you guys don't. We are not sensationalizing. <laughs> but so anyway, I got out of the car. There was, you know, surrounded by, I think three, about three police vehicles, guns, guns drawn. And look where I was raised. We're, we're raised to be in fearful of the police. You know, it's just, you don't talk to the police. The police are the bad guys, you know, and, and I was freaked out because I thought, well, here I am, you know, I'm wearing a black hoodie, black jeans, and, and black cotton fingerless gloves with pandas on them, you know, like, get on the ground. <laughs> That's very gangster. Right? Yeah. And, um, and that was it, you know, that was really the moment because I was, I mean, that was pretty deep, deep trouble, you know, I, I didn't actually, I thought I was going to jail, like I thought I was going to jail and that was going to be the end of it. So, right. So yeah. do you remember consciously the thought processes that created this like almost gestalt like moment in your mind? Was it fear? Was it pain? Was it shame? Yeah, like, I think it was, it was mostly, um, well, it, a lot of it was Because you got arrested? You got yeah, I got arrested yeah. and then you have to go to court. Yeah. And, Part of the whole thing, it's like once you're in the system, you're in the system. And so uh, in court, because I didn't have any really bad priors, they, they gave me six months of probation. And after the six months, I still wasn't really taking it seriously. You know, I, I still was kind of going out and not really abiding to my, my probation. And um, people kept saying, if you don't abide, you're, you're going to go to jail. And I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of what's expected of me anyway. Even people closest to me would, you know, I'd walk into rooms where, you know, friends and family were, and they were just talking about how I would, would probably end up in jail and I probably wouldn't amount to anything and, you know, all of these things. And I feel like that those types of conversations that I walked into was what really helped propel me to not want to do that to not want to have my life be the result of this expectation. Was there a line in the sand moment for you? Like, do you remember consciously if there was that moment? Or was it like a series of events over time that built up a pressure? I think it was a series of events over time because there was a lot of things that I had to accomplish during my probation process. There was therapy I had to go to. I had to do 100 hours of community service. There was, um, you know, a court ordered parenting classes that my mother needed to go to, which she wasn't excited about, That's you know? Yeah. Um, so it was kind of like everything and everybody around me had to basically get involved in order for me to abide. You know, I had to go to see my probation officer once a month, and it was kind of this process where I had to maintain a, a certain GPA that was really difficult for me because even though I was a closeted nerd, I really loved to read and I really enjoyed school. It just was, I didn't want to be the anomaly in my community, you know? It was, it, was, it was more on par with what was expected of me to, to be bad and to be that sort of stereotype than it was for me to, to succeed and to propel in my life. And so what happens next? 
what does the change look like at that stage of life? So my my mom was having a, a self-development phase during this time, you can imagine, right? Yeah, right. And I'm like, why is she going through this weird process? And I'm like, oh, maybe because she's raising a little bit of a train wreck. Um, and she happened to come home with these little yoga pamphlets. Um, I was suffering from debilitating panic attacks and anxiety and, and, and depression and all of the things basically that are compounding during this time. It was, you know, everything was sort of manifesting itself. And um, this pamphlet was talking about how, you know, through meditation you can alleviate stress and yoga as the, the path to enlightenment and manifest the life of your dreams. And this was very interesting to me because I was raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. I always say I'm a recovering Catholic. so. <laughs> Uh, fear and guilt was embedded into my DNA, right? So this idea that there was something else and there was other ways of doing things um, in, in a more broader spectrum as opposed to something being rigid and dogmatic uh, really appealed to me. And so um, uh, maybe like a year later or so, I, I ended up, I don't know if it was that, that long after, but I ended up going to this self-realization place where the the pamphlets were from, which was right down the street from where my mom worked, which is not too far from here. And I I went into this lecture and I sat in that room and I I had what I think was a, a spiritual awakening because what was being talked about during the lecture was something along the lines of your response, not only are you responsible for your own happiness, but it's your duty. And regardless of what adversity you've had to overcome your your past doesn't have to define you and i really it was almost like they they were speaking directly to me and and i just had this this really visceral experience where i was like wow like that's the vernacular i needed to hear to confirm the things i already knew the stuff that i was already feeling the things that i always knew were were more in alignment with, with the tapestry that was me and not all of these predispositions that were, that were put upon me. And so I, I started to practice yoga. So I learned about yoga as a philosophy way before I learned about the physical component. Yeah, right. Yeah. So what age are you when, you when this is going on? This is like from the ages of like 17, 18, 19. Right. Yeah. So it's just, you're, you're kind of drifting in and out. Yeah. In and out. Yeah. yeah. So, so you get introduced to the philosophy first. Right. I get introduced to the philosophy first and then I start to um, really uh, get into this, uh, a different lifestyle. I, I started to uh, want to get healthy. I was also almost 200 pounds when this was happening. So I was yeah, right. really overweight because I was, you know, depressed. I was trying to deal with all of these things. Yeah. And, and so I, I started to pay more attention and I really feel like the, the yogic philosophy really allowed me to tune into my body and what was really happening and how this was going to serve me as, as my vessel to, to propel and to commit to my potential ultimately. So for people who aren't perhaps maybe familiar with the yogic philosophy, like what's some of the philosophy that you were introduced to? Oh, so, so yoga, the root word yoga means union. And so yoga is about making the unconscious conscious. And yoga is also about the unraveling of sorts. And sometimes the unraveling doesn't feel so nice, but it, it's really, uh, it's, it's sort of this invitation to not bypass the darkness, but to move through it in a way to understand that it's also a part of us. And so it's the study of paradoxes. It's, it's, how you have the yin and the yang, and there's a little bit of uh, yin and the yang and a little bit of yang and the yin. And, and I really loved that sort of interplay of holding two things because then I didn't feel inadequate. I didn't feel like, oh, I have to only be happy. Mm. Or, oh, if I'm sad, I, there's no way I'll ever be happy again. So, so that was sort of the, the philosophy that helped me uh, continue to, to move past any obstacle that I would face. And it, it really helped me get my life in order. I, I, at this point, I, I had a job and I started working as a, a hair salon manager for this chain of salons in Los Angeles. And I got recruited by 
a celebrity hairstylist who hired me under the pretenses of an embellished resume. <laughs> uh, and and I ended up working for him for years. And I, I ended up, you know, at 19, 20 years old, being one of the youngest business mal managers. And I always found it funny because I was, you know, I was a criminal. And here I was running two multi-million dollar businesses with no business experience, just pure hard work and dedication and paying attention. And, and I really attribute my yoga practice and my philosophy to that because that's that was my first introduction to any sort of discipline mm. and really doing something over a long period of time without interruption and without the attachment of the result, mm. right? So my only desire was to just not be what was expected of me. You know, that that was was the first desire. And then it began to grow from that. It's like, oh, what would my life be like if I could become powerful, if I could feel confident, if I could achieve the life of my dreams, if I could achieve financial success? And so all of these thoughts came about as a result of going down the yogi path, the yoga path. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that that was sort of my sanctuary. That was yeah. sort of my my belief system. But I really, I mean, ultimately, it was it was a communal effort. There were mentors that oh, came into of my course. life. But do you do you do you think there's a correlation between you going down the path with the yogic philosophy and the yogic practice and the discipline and the success you started to manifest in your external world? Absolutely, absolutely. Because I mean, that was that was the template I needed. Yeah, right. Yeah. So why do you think, and look, I've heard many other people share successes and stories of how their lives have transformed. I even got told by one person they grew an inch as a result of doing yoga, <laughs> which was, I must say so far, that's been the greatest temptation to date for me to, to start doing yoga, because I'd love it. An, an extra inch yeah. taller would be, would be amazing. Yeah. But I'm, I'm curious to know, like I've heard so many people talk of, you know, transformations mentally, physically, spiritually, mm -hmm. emotionally, you know, from a mental health perspective, uh, from an injury recovery perspective. Yes. You know, yoga really has kind of had this tidal wave of impact on so many different people in so many different ways, yet still some people seem to be a little bit kind of hesitant, a little bit resistant. Uh, what are some of the things that you see are the biggest obstacles that prevent people you know, entering into you know, uh, or being exposed to you know, either the yogic philosophy or the practice itself? Yeah, I think that people get a little bit turned off because of the physical component because they think, oh, I have to be bendy, I'm not bendy, I can't do this. Or they may see some things on the internet or Instagram and think, oh, my body can't do that so I can't practice. But I mean, the idea is really like, I think you're a yogi with, with what you do, the, the empire you've created and the impact you're having on people. It's really this, this tapestry that binds us all together. It's this weaving of sorts. And so all of the limbs, if you even take it back to yogic philosophy or, or the Yoga Sutras, which is a philosophical text that we study as, as teachers and just as the lineage is, um, yoga asana, the physical component, is only a, a, like a, a dot in the whole yogic ideal. And so I study, I have a teacher that I study with and we study Tantra and it's not like the Tantra usually people have well, this. Well, you actually made me think exactly of Tantra when you said that because yeah. most people when they think of Tantra, they think of sex. That's right. But in the same, in the same way, it's, it's like a very, it's, it's a, a very spot. Yeah, it's yeah. a very just small part of it. Yeah. So Tantra, so Tan means to expand and Tra means beyond limitation. And so the, the practice of Tantra brings all of the elements of uh, meditation, visualization, pranayama, breathing, um, asana, mantra, which again, it's like you think about the, the, the template for success in modern day, it's very similar, right? Mm. Affirmation, having a ritual, being able to do something over a long period of time, having a, an intention, having a goal, right? So essentially it's the same, it, it comes from that same ideology. And I really feel that when people are, are immersed in, in the belief system that they are powerful beyond their wildest belief is something that could seem something a little bit out of this world and a little bit woo-woo. And, and trust me, to me, I come from the school of thought, especially from growing up the way I did, 
I did pay for myself to go to college and I wanted to be the complete opposite of Wu. I was like, I want to study business. I want to be able to achieve success. And, you know, I'm going to use my yoga practice just as my my panacea for for any obstacle and this is what I'm gonna focus on. And so when I did start to get into yoga, I wanted to understand the science behind it. I wanted to understand how the alchemy of this system worked. And so I I love being able to talk to people that are that are sort of like the non believers or that are kind of like, oh well I don't understand how this works. But I'm like how do we under we don't even understand how the mind works mm. i mean there's we still don't know so what do you say to a non-believer like to someone who's perhaps because you know i see this all the time in business like people come into our lives and we know we can help them oh. yet sometimes there's a belief system or an underlying philosophy that is preventing them from seeing the help that can be offered so when someone comes to you and you're like you're looking at them you're going oh my god i can see you know you're either in a world of pain physically mentally spiritually emotionally you know, and I can just see that the yoga principles, practices, and philosophy would be so beneficial to you, but they're shut down to that. How, how do you open someone's mind? Well, first of all, I don't say anything. I listen, right? So I, I'm not one to convert people. You know, I, I don't, I don't believe in that. I, I believe in um, facilitating an experience yeah, right. for people because only then can you actually integrate something right i mean yeah i mean you have these events that you do it's like it's an integrative process right people have an experience of 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 tribe of of uh, camaraderie of feeling powerful and so for me it's the same thing if somebody comes to me and they're in a state of of crisis uh, or distress or they're wanting to connect to a higher purpose or a higher power or trying to get clarity on what what their life's purpose is I just listen I listen to to what they have to say and and what they're wanting to create and I also listen to what they think their limitation is and I also listen to why why they would be closed off to trying something else you know because I feel like that too when I talk to people I love talking about yoga and I can talk about it in scientific terms I can talk about it in esoteric terms I can talk about it in practical terms but depending on where people are in whatever stage of life they're in they're going to be open to one way more than the other Mm. right so I just I just listen um, I'm curious to know, like, because I'm going to assume every now and then you, you're going to get the, uh, you know, the accountant or the engineer. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm the technically minded yeah. who is going to be like, oh, okay, then, and they're going to be more persuaded by the science side of right. things. Right. Exactly. So, what, in, from your perspective, if you were going to explain the science in basic terms, like, how would you explain the science of yoga? Oh, that is a, a big deep question. question. <laughs> I don't even actually know that I'm qualified to answer that. You know, I still feel like I'm I'm very much a student, and I and I love the study of it. Um, I do a lot of work with uh, people in in uh, who've suffered from trauma. You know, Afghan vets and yeah, right. um, people that have PTSD, and uh, I've done a lot of work and study on the science of the body and. Um, I always like to say that our issues are in our tissues Mm. and yoga uh, asana or the movement of yoga works to sort of ring out all of those things. You know, our body has a memory, uh, our body keeps score and utilizing the science of breathing, which we know it's like we need to breathe in order to survive. Mm. You know, we won't really last too long without breathing utilizing our breath in a way to move all of those things around so that our body gets to this place of um, restoration, right? We cultivate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is, you know, uh, rest and digest as opposed to sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight, right? That's sort of like where most of society lives, right? In that like stress, fight or flight. And so utilizing yoga places us into a state of homeostasis. When you use the movement, breathing, meditation, mantra, it allows us to be in a state of healing and in a state of uh, deeper rest and, and higher integration, higher brain function. And, um, you know, I can, I can go on and on with, with the list of benefits to it. Yeah. I will convert you. <laughs> I'm already converted. <laughs> I was converted at one inch taller. So, you know, I'm five foot, like, 
almost ten, and like my goal was if I have eleven, six foot, I'd be I'd be a happy, happy, happy man. Okay, so it was like uh, 1920, you're managing salons. Okay, yoga is becoming a part of your life. That's right. And so what happens next? Oh, so a few years into that, I, I, uh, I was working for a, um, a fitness, health and wellness uh, expert, and I got really inspired to, to, to teach. I, I wanted to bring these practices out into the world because I was, I was so unhappy uh, why I think I was just kind of having one of those lull moments, you know, in your career where you're like doing great, and then all of a sudden you realize you're not really loving what you're doing, mm-hmm. and you're just doing it because it's what's paying for your livelihood. And I, I had already done a yoga teacher training just to deepen my practice, and I I really wanted to bring all of the things that I'd learned. Uh, all, I'd already gone to school for holistic health coaching, nutrition, and all of the, like my side, not even side hustle, it was just kind of like my side learning. Yeah, right. uh, because I was passionate about it, I was excited about it, and so I wanted to bring it out into the world and I, I didn't really know how, and I knew that having a job was gonna make it a little bit more challenging for me to do those things, and so um, I did what I tell my clients and students to not do, I quit my job uh, during the recession, 2000, 2008 or 2009, I think, um, and I decided that I wanted to become a yoga teacher full time and I wanted to help people one by one if, if it meant just one by one. And I wanted to be able to, you know, teach everything that I've learned and, and to help people integrate this practice into their lives. So at what point for you did the penny drop and you realized this was your purpose? Was it during this time or was this still, I'm just going to feel it out. I'm just going to, this is a passion project for me. I want to do what I love. Or at this point, had you converted to the, to the, to the fact that this was actually what you had been put on the planet to do? I, I think I knew that this was going to be, the minute that I had that awakening in, that, uh, in, in the self-realization center, I knew that this was going to be a part of my life for the rest of my life. Yeah, right. And so as as I continued, the, that was always the ongoing thread. I always knew somehow, even as I was going through the motions of running a business and or working for somebody else, I still knew that this was a something that I needed to fulfill. Yeah, and it was just a deep union. Yeah, I just but knew. But what was the feedback from around you? Because you know, one of the things that I see when people get all, have their entrepreneurial seizure, especially for the first oh, time, yeah what can reflect back can often be a little bit confronting oh, yeah. from friends and family and oh, those who everyone. care about us. Yeah, oh man, nobody, I mean, my. I have an incredible um, beloved partner and he is everything to me. He, He's like my rock. We've been together since I was 20, so wow. we've been together for 15 years. And he's my number one cheerleader. He's an entrepreneur himself and so he, and he's achieved huge success and he's also seen the the bottom of the bottom of like he's seen both sides of the equation yeah he's seen both sides and so i i always look to him as sort of my my modeling of this is what happens it's okay to feel like things aren't going to work out sometimes it's okay to be stressed out but at the end of the day commit to what you're doing commit to what you want to do and what you want to feel and and what you want to create and so for me, working with people, um, I, I knew that this was, this was gonna be what I was gonna do for the rest of my life. And I think really what, what did it for me is um, working with my students, the ones that I actually would beg to be my students, you know, um, friends and people that would be referred to me. And when I started to see their lives change, even if it was just in little bits, that's, that's what was fueling me even though I wasn't making any money. But you were getting bad, were you getting people telling, what are you thinking? Why are you oh, quitting yes. your bad job? Why are you quitting your job for oh, a great, yeah. great job? Oh yeah, my mom was like, what are you gonna, you don't have health insurance. Like, what are you gonna, <laughs> what are you gonna do about your health insurance? Like, you're not, you know, you're not gonna become a millionaire by being a yoga teacher. You know, you're, you're, this is not, I don't know that this is the best way for you to, Yeah live your life you know are you're never gonna and this isn't just my mom i'm saying like people in my life were in fear of my security you know in fear of like well how are you gonna pay your bills and how are you gonna and i'm like you just you know 
I remember saying, and I don't know if this was to my mother, but or maybe it was my mother-in-law, I can't remember which one of them, because I'm really close to both of them, saying that, um, I remember her saying, I don't know, I don't, I don't really believe that this is gonna work. I'm, I'm having a really hard time believing that this is gonna work. And I remember saying, don't worry, I have enough faith for the both of us, so don't even worry about it. Like, I believe it's gonna work. And you know, it took a couple of years, just like entrepreneurs know. It, it you have to build, build, build. And were there any major obstacles put in front of you away? Like, oh, was it like, or did it just come easy for no. you? And the red carpet was laid out no, and success. No, absolutely was not. You. I am just like every other yoga teacher <laughs> out there, you guys. This is people. Th- people see the success of the, you know, in, especially Instagram. It wasn't as mm. big as it is now, but it's so competitive in the sense of there's there's millions and millions and millions of people wanting to do what you're doing mm. and and I know that and if I allowed myself to go down the hole of well what how am I different what who's going to care who's going to want to come study with me and what do I know and how am I going to help somebody like they're better off going to this person over here or like I can't do that and I physically can't do all of those poses so that means I'm not going to be a, a good yoga teacher and so I I did I did get in in those moments especially when nothing was happening um, and I was only teaching like two classes a week you know and I would have four or no people show up you know so I would definitely you know get in those moments but and I always say this, but the minute that I would disengage in all that chatter and I would allow the inner critic to just take a seat and, and you know, I let her have her moment, but mm-hmm. then I'd be like, okay, I'm My done time. now. Yeah. And I just continued to, I just kept going, you know, and I think that that was part of that, that uh, template or my own blueprint, even from being a little kid and growing up in an environment like I did, it was the constant climb. I was just constantly climbing and I was just constantly propelling forward and I just, I knew that if I just continued to go forward that nothing was going to stop me. And I always say this to people because they're like, oh, did you ever, you know, I'll go to these conferences or these business conferences or I'll talk to my entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial friends and they'll talk about hitting rock bottom or rock bottom moments and Although I've had low points, I just always believe that if you started from the bottom, you'll never hit rock bottom. <laughs> it really is just an upward, it's an yeah. upward climb. You're just always going to keep doing better because there's no way that you can ever go to the place where you started. That, mm. that, was, my, that was always my belief. And so I always, that's, that's sort of my ground zero anytime I get into this thought pattern of like, oh, so-and-so is doing this or or I'm not getting this or... Comparison. Yeah, yeah, comparison is the biggest joy kill. It's almost, actually it was Theodore Roosevelt who said, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. Yeah, which uh, is a quote I heard on the Elon Musk interview with, Ro- with Joe Rogan. Uh, it's almost like we've gone from this um, this stereotype of the starving artist to almost like the star- the starving yoga teacher. Yeah. Because it has become so popular. It has become such a an almost an artistic expression in many ways. Yes. So, you know, you you ha- sound like every other entrepreneur out there, you get it you, well, every other entrepreneur who's connected with something, you know, passionately, you found something you're passionate about, you go, well, I'm gonna follow this and, and pursue it as a as a professional career. You get in there and, you know, while you're in there, you're loving it. You're in bliss. While you're out of there, you've got the inner critic, you know, beating <laughs> you up, you know, 12 rounds a day or 24 rounds a day yeah. while you're awake. Um, how many years was it uh, a struggle for you commercially before that you started to get the flow oh, of the yeah. commercial benefits of your purpose actually being realized, yeah. you know, in, in, a, in this form of success? It took about from, from the day I quit my job yeah. to the day where I was making more money than I was working my job. Uh, it took about four years. Yeah, wow, that's yeah. great. Yeah, and that was that was with feeling all those lulls of like, oh, you know. And yeah. I remember actually the first year I made, <laughs> I made thirteen thousand dollars, and I and by the way that was, um, I'll just put it this way that was ten percent of what I was making. In my job yeah, right. prior, yeah, right. Uh, again, That's a shock to the system. Yeah, yeah, huge. 
But I was so happy. It, and isn't that interesting? Because you know, we often talk about this in the form of success. You know, and the reasons people pursue success. You know, commercially, and people yeah. think, wow, you know. Once I once I do this and I make all this money, then I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's interesting, you know, I think it was positive psychology that did that uh, that oh, research paper about happiness, happy, the happiness yeah. study, where they discovered that people who were happier, I think it was either seventy two, I think it was seventy eight percent more likely to experience success in a commercial adventure, uh, commercial venture, yeah. if they're already happy. And what's interesting is often we use that as the goal, mm-hmm. you know, not as the actual fuel. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was. So, I remember just feeling so. I just remember feeling like, wow, I built this. Like, mm. this is how much money I made. I made this working with people who so I really love. So there was really a high loved. level. Even though you made oh. thirty thousand dollars, you were grateful. Oh yeah. Yeah. Beyond appreciation, Beyond. gratitude. Beyond. Oh yes. And yeah. then the following year, I think uh, I made a little bit more. And then the third year, I was like, whoa, this is actually, this is actually working. I'm actually doing something. And then by the fourth year, I was like, okay, this is. We're good, you yeah. know, like not comfortable good where it's like, oh, I'm never going to have to do anything again. Yeah. But but comfortable for me to feel the success and and, and the fruits of my labor and to be able important. to. Yeah. yeah and especially for somebody who I'm the first person in my family who's ever traveled the world, who's ever wow. owned their own business, like the first person, you know. And so for me, that it, it's already a win, yeah. you know. Yeah. And how's business now? It's great. <laughs> it's really great. Well, you're uh, running retreats all over the world yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've got your own. You don't only teach yoga. You do yoga. Yoga trainings, teacher trainings. Yeah. yeah. So, and um, I do speaking. You know, I yeah. do like inspirational speaking. TED talks. Yeah. I yeah. got a TED talk coming up. I'm really excited about. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, yeah, I think that for me, I always merit the success of my work with how I how I can feel and how present I could be in what I'm doing, mm. you know, because there are moments, there have been moments, especially, you know, last year I was, I was on this epic tour for 10 months. Um, we did like 28 cities in, in 28 weeks with Yoga Journal. We kind of went across the United States wow. and to explore the yoga culture and the yoga community in each big major city. And um, that was, it was so wonderful, but it really kind of took it out of me, you know, just being on the road for that long and, and doing all the things. But I remember just, again, going back to that ground zero, like, what do I want to create? What's going to make me happy? And, and what do I want to focus on? And am I happy? That's the constant thing that I have to ask myself, really. It's like, am I happy? Am I happy doing what I'm doing? Because that that's the barometer to whether what I'm doing is working or not. Mm. And so um, from those first four years until now, we're talking this probably, what's that, at least 10 years? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. What have been, been some of the biggest challenges that you've had come your way? Like completely unexpected, like knock the doors down. Wow, I didn't see that coming. Wow. Um, you know, I think that the expectation that comes when you achieve a certain amount of success. Um, there's been a lot of uh, issues uh, with you know, my family and um, I, I support some of my family financially. And so that's been a, a huge uh, obstacle to overcome, you know, to remember that, again, it's about creating a, a model that works for you, that keeps you happy and not because of somebody else. Mm. Um, that's been a really big challenge for me because as much as I want to continue to focus on self-care, it's hard because you have people that rely on you. So you have to sometimes work yourself into the ground because that's, that means, you know, somebody can go have dental work or Mm. somebody can go to the doctor this month or, you know, stuff like that, that can be really, really taxing. I think they're they're important conversations because I think you know for a long time people just you know we we talk about the hustle culture yeah and the grind culture and you know going out there and grinding and hustling yeah. and you know that there, there there seems to be now like a lot more uh, light breaking through around the importance of self care but I'm going to assume you know in the last you know 14 15 years of your journey there's going to be times where you've experienced exhaustion or burnout oh yes I have. I don't, I'm not a sickly person, like I don't get sick very mm-hmm. often, but 
in the last three years, I've gotten like the sickest I've ever been and really seen some major changes uh, in, in my internal health. Yeah, so you think about all these things, even the traveling, you know, and I get to travel everywhere and I'm always on the go, but that manifests itself, you know, especially because I have to be on in front of large groups of people. And I, I notice that if I don't stop, these things begin to manifest themselves. I got sick when I was in Bali, actually, and I was, when I was in Australia two years ago, or was it two, it was two years ago. I got the dengue fever when I was in Bali, Ooh. right in the middle of a, a, a retreat in Bali that I was leading. Wow. Yeah. And, um, what a manifestation. Uh, right? Wow. It was right after I was done, two different groups, back to back, you know, and I was like, wow, my body just shut down. And I had another event to do in Australia that week. And so I, I allowed myself, this is how bad it is, you guys. And I'm sure people that are in this, this field can identify. I allowed myself to be sick for three days with a 105 fever and just, you know, having all kinds of things come out of my body. And I'm like, I have to go to Australia, I have to get on this flight. And you know, we, we got to Australia and I did my class, I did my thing, and then it just like, I was out. I was out, I came back, all my hair fell out. I was, wow. oh yeah, I was just for like two months, I was just so depleted. I didn't wanna do anything, I didn't wanna to talk to anybody. I had to cancel a bunch of things on my calendar. It was just like, you can't do that. So how do you recover from something like that? Because for many people, that would be devastating, like yeah. to the point where, you know, that could bring down a business empire. Oh, yeah. You know, big time. Not even an empire, it could bring down just a, you know, any, oh, any yeah. type of business. Yeah, and this was around the time where my, my podcast was just starting to pick up, you know, so it was almost this manifestation of all these things. You've got a top 100 podcast. Yeah. It? Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, and everything was kind of manifesting itself during this time and I just, I wanted to hit the brakes so hard and I didn't know how to and so the universe did it for me. Yeah, right. You know? And so after I got, so, so after that, you know, uh, uh, event, I, I just had to start little by little. I just, I kept telling myself, don't ever, I will never allow things to get that intense. I'll never allow my schedule to get ridiculously overbooked. I will never have to feel like I have to say yes to everyone, yes mm. to everything, because that's also a disease that we suffer mm. from, is it not? Yes, 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 I can do it. Yes, I can be here. Yes, it's fine. I don't have a day off for two months. Not a big deal. Like that, that is so not allowed anymore. And, um, you know, it's it's been a build. It took about six, it took about probably six or seven months to get back you know, to where I was just physically because I, I wasn't even when I was teaching classes, I couldn't physically move as, as much as I would before just because my, my body was completely depleted. Yeah, energetically. And it's funny because, you know, they say that you teach what you most need to learn. Mm. And so I realized that I needed to be my own best student and listen to all of those teachings that I, I give to my my peers, my students, my my clients, and I really had to sit myself down and say, okay, talk to yourself like if you were your own coach, like if, if you were your own client or student, what would you say? And then I'm like, well, first of all, I would say you have to schedule a day off and you have to be able to take it easy. You have to make sure that you're doing your practice. You have to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and not worried about everybody else's is stuff. And so that that's what I did. So I think it's interesting, you know, because I think a lot of people get to that point, they're like, they're on they're on the dance floor and they don't know how to get off. Yeah. And then, you know, we call it feathers, bricks and trucks, right? Yeah. You get oh, a little bit that. of a tickle like, oh, I really should <laughs> slow down. And I, no, it's fine. I can keep cracking on. I'm a grinder. I'm a hustler. Right. And then, you know, someone throws a brick and I like, hits you in the head. You're like, ow, oh, that kind of hurt. But I've got to keep on going. I've got to push through this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, dengue fever slams into you yeah. like a, a road truck. Yeah. So if you could go back in, this is three years ago, right? This was two, two years, years ago, ago, yeah. 
So if you could go back to, and again, everything's perfect. It always happens to be, you know, the, 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 it, as it's by design, the grand organized design. And I won't even put yourself in this perspective. I'll put, I'll, I'll put a third party in here. If someone was listening to this right now and they were you two years ago, they're on the dance floor, mm. they don't know how to get off. Okay, they're getting a feather. Maybe they've had a few bricks and maybe they can even see the truck coming. Like, what would be your advice? Oh, I would say the music's not going to stop because you get off the dance floor. I think it's no use for us to be of service if we're completely depleted. So if you are in the midst of this go, 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 this constant state of movement, our life is designed for balance. And so if there is a way for you to really tune in and ask yourself, is this really necessary? Is it really necessary? And then ask yourself again, is it really necessary? And how is this going to serve your highest good? If you can answer those questions, you want to stay on the dance floor, stay on the dance floor. But if there's hesitation and there's this inner knowing that if you continue on the path, most of the time when we're on that path, we know we're on the path, right? Mm -hmm. We understand that that hustle 24-7 mentality, it's not sustainable. It is not sustainable. You cannot be on 100 100% of the time, all the time. You will break down. Physically, emotionally, mentally, we're just not designed for that. We're barely designed to take in all the information that we take in on a daily basis. Our mind, it's not functioning that quickly. Our body doesn't process it fast enough. You know, we're an ocular society. We're constantly taking in information. Mm. You put that on top of running a business or being an entrepreneur, that's going to have an effect on you. If you don't see it now, you will in a couple of months or maybe in a couple of years. You know, and that's going to cause some dis-ease later. And why let it get to that point? We're, we're so fortunate to live in a culture where we praise self-care, where we can praise self-worth, where we can praise really tuning into our desires and our dreams, and we live in a time where we can achieve that. What's the rush? It's a fair question. Right? A lot of people talk about balance as a myth. Mm. Um, a lot of oh. people use yoga, meditation as mm -hmm. a part of the, uh, yeah. the panacea, yes. you know, for finding that balance, for finding, yeah. you know, that, uh, that center. But you also you hear from a lot of people that, you know, the pursuit of balance is in some cases as unhealthy as a pursuit of success mm. because we're pursuing something that in many cases doesn't exist. And, you know, some people have a philosophy that we must become, um, we must adapt to the, to the reality that we'll never be in complete balance. It'll always be a constant mixing and shifting of priorities and learning how to adapt to the priorities as they shift. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see your perspective on that. Well, the root word balance, balance means to dance. Right. And so the balance doesn't mean I have to have a day off and then I have to have a day of war. It, it's not black and white. Balance means to be able to interweave with the flow of life. It's it's sort of this dance that you do where when it's on, it's on, you know, when you're, you're in work mode, you're in work mode. But then when you are off, you're off, you know, and it's, it's, it's not necessarily, I don't believe that there's this idea of like everything is in perfect balance because I, I think that there are seasons, mm. you know, there are seasons in life where you're either planting the seeds or you're raking the harvest. And so what season are you in? Are you in seed planting mode? Or are you in reaping the harvest? So if you're able to really look at your life in, in terms of waves and in terms of seasons, then I believe that it's way easier to 
allow for that balance to come in, right? So do I think that there needs to be a certain amount of time dedicated to sleep or physical movement or uh, meditation? I do, but then I don't. You know, but to me, that's like the study of paradoxes. Yeah. It's what yoga is, yeah. right? It's like the answer is yes. <laughs> um, I'm curious to know from from your, you know, you've been doing yoga now, what, 15, 16 mm-hmm. years? Yeah. Um, what have been the top three life lessons that you've learned from yoga? <sighs> Kervin, you are going deep. <laughs> Oof. Um, number one is that nothing is nothing has to be perfect the second thing is that life is beautiful and i would say that the third thing is practice without attachment there's this this um idea uh, about in the Yoga Sutras, it talks about um, abhyasa and vairagya. It's sort of like practicing and the dedication to the practice being without color or without merit. And so when you're able to, to practice just for the sake of practicing, you can really then tap into uh, a higher sense of being when you're able to just sit with somebody without having any sort of ulterior motive or wanting to prove a point or anything. You're just in the presence of the divine. You're in the presence of another human. You're in the presence of somebody else's is life. You know, when you can tune into this, this state of just everything is moving, like everybody is spinning their plates, you know, at different speeds. And we can honor that in each other, and we can hold space for that for each other. I really feel like yoga has has given that gift to me to be able to see that and to experience that and to live in that world. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I, I've worked with people, one of my students who actually um, was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer and uh, recently passed away. She was... Um, she was 34, so just a year younger than me. And having these types of experiences with, with these beautiful beings and beautiful life, like we, we never know what's in store for us. Mm. And being able to live your life with a ritual or a practice that allows you to even just take a second to acknowledge that within yourself to honor yourself for everything that you've done to this point to acknowledge yourself just because you're breathing you don't have to have accomplished anything or completed any task just because you're alive just because you're breathing that to me is the ultimate gift mm, it's a feat of it's a feat in itself yeah you've been an entrepreneur now for about 15 years as well uh i would say uh, for about seven years seven now. Seven years now? Yeah. As a full-blown entrepreneur? Yeah. Top three lessons that business has taught you? <laughs> <laughs> um, number one is don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Yeah. Keep your blinders on. You know, just go. You do you, boo. Yeah, yeah. you do you. Don't don't look left, don't look right. Just, just go. Um... Number two is just as every single person has their own individual fingerprint, what you're bringing into the world is, is unique. And there's people on this planet that need your voice. They need to hear your message in the way that you're going to tell it. So don't ever compare yourself because you are perfect the way that you are, perfectly imperfect. Um, and the third thing is don't ever let your financial desire get in the way of your feeling of success. Mm. Yeah, I like that. 
<laughs> you're like a little a little uh, a little entrepreneurial yogi, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Best piece of advice you've ever received. Best piece of advice. Oh. All the cliche questions. Yeah, no, I like them. I always get to ask them. I never get them <laughs> asked to me. Um, best piece of advice. I think it's just going to go back to, to what I said because I think that my biggest uh, obstacle has always been not feeling like I'm worthy, mm. right? Not feeling like like I deserve a seat at the table, right? Um, for, for a lot of reasons, you know, being a, a, a woman or being a, a Hispanic woman, being, um, you know, growing up in a lower economic, you know, socioeconomic inheritance. Um, so I think that the, the, the best advice uh, I ever got from anybody was um, just knowing that, that I'm enough, that I was enough, that I didn't have to feel any other way, but, but just knowing that I do deserve a seat at the table and I do have a voice and it's, it's part of my duty to be able to share that. Yeah. That's beautiful. So what's next for Rosie? Well, there's a, a couple of irons in the fire, <laughs> as, as I'm sure you know. You know. Um, I think that for my, my, biggest, um, my biggest dream is to be able to create not only just a platform communally that's inclusive for everyone, um, all shapes, all sizes, all backgrounds, to um, create more connection in the world. And so for me, I, you know, I, I ut utilize the modalities of yoga and meditation to work with people and to connect with communities and to work with people who want to create more rituals or, or, or more healing in their life. And I work as a spiritual counselor for, for some people and I utilize all these things in, as a means for connection. One of the things that I learned last year while I was on tour across the United States for 10 months was that we are so severely disconnected, you know, mm. and in, in all the connection that we have with social media and, you know, all these different ways of, of connecting with people, we're still very much divided. We're still very much disconnected. And so part of what I want to bring into the world is, is more human to human connection you know not not to say i love social media and I, I i do enjoy getting i mean we met because of social media like i love being able to meet people like this but i feel like having that one-to-one -one, it's just different you know it's, it's, it's a high level of connection yes yeah, and so i think that that's what's next it's is me trying to uh continue to create my business and the platform that I'm in to to facilitate more of these experiences. Beautiful. And you, as of right now, like you, you're still running yoga classes. Well, I don't, I don't teach group classes, public group classes. Right. It's now mainly um, yoga teacher training. Yeah. Now, now it's. Uh, I do workshops yeah. uh, all over. I do retreats. I do four international retreats a year. I'm actually doing a, a month long yoga teacher training in Spain next uh, yeah, right. 2019. And um, yeah, I'm doing a, a couple of local, I do a couple of local weekend workshops in different parts of the US. And so I, I do a lot of that. So if people are interested, they could just go to my website. Is there a book coming out or? Yes, there is a book in the works. <laughs> there is a book in the works. Uh, currently, it's, uh, it's been in the works for about two years. Uh, but you know, I, if you're familiar with this process, it's, it's a long it's a process. process. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't want to put any pressure on myself because no. of what I just talked about, you know? <laughs> yeah. So practice, so, practice what so you being preach. being released December 31st at a bookshop near you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would do it, but I'd probably end up with the dengue fever again. Yeah, let's who not knows? go there. Let's not go there. Let's focus on happiness. So for people who want to find out more about you, where can they go to find out more about you, your retreats, what you do, oh. your podcast, Radically Loved? 
So for people that want more information, they could just go to radicallyloved.com um, or rosiacosta.com. It all goes to the same thing. And uh, everything is on there. I, I post all my events, trainings, workshops. I've got a couple of online programs that are coming out. Um, so everything, everything is there. Uh, if you're on social media, I'm on Instagram. That's my favorite. Uh, it's at Rosie Acosta. And same on Twitter and on Facebook. It's uh, forward slash Radically Loved Rosie. I do Facebook Lives there uh, mm -hmm. twice a month. And that's it. Fantastic. I'm pretty accessible. Anybody can connect. <laughs> if you're listening to this or watching us, just Have you got another retreat coming up in Australia? Potentially, Potentially, yeah, in 2020. Let's not push it. Okay, yeah, 2020. 2020. Yeah, 2020. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, I have a, a large uh, community down there, so it's kind of nice. I definitely want to go back down there. And before we wrap it up, what's the best piece of advice that you like to give people? The biggest advice I can give to someone is to. What is the advice that you tend to be like? Because one of the things I discover is a lot of people have like their go-to advice, like they have yeah. their go-to thing. Yeah. That um, you know. I'm just I. I just keep going, just keep going. That that's that's literally my mantra. I, I wake up with it every morning. I try to not get out just of bed. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Just like Dory. Which is the ethos of unstoppable. Yeah. Rosie, thank you so much for oh, coming down you. downtown LA, <laughs> three miles from where it all began. Yeah, right. It's been a real honor and a pleasure to have you on oh, here. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you so much for having me. Bless Thanks, you, everyone. Girl. This episode was brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for business. There you have it, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Unstoppable with me, your host, Kerwin Ray. And do me a favor, don't forget to drop me a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear what you think. I love reading what you guys have to say. And your reviews make sure we keep creating killer content just like this. If you want to stay up to date with me and all my movements, please jump onto the website, kerwinray.com. And also check us out on social media, at Kerwin Ray.